Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that guides athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders into brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy, and today we're going to be diving into the thick of things and talking about thriving in disaster zones and resiliency. I'm very honored today to have my personal friend, Anthony Cogiola, on, and he is a retired major, uh, former special forces, uh, former rugby player, current rugby coach, entrepreneur, and overall just badass. <laughs> Glad to have you here, Anthony. It's been a while since we chatted last, so... Yeah, kind of just let us know what's what's been going on with yourself since uh, since last time I, I've seen you here. You've you've been doing some amazing things, and uh, and you're you're helping out with uh, refugees in in Ukraine, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you know, once the once the war started, I was I was uh, meeting my my first grandchild. So I was in Seattle with my wow. daughter and my wife and her husband and my, my new grandbaby. And then, you know, unfortunately we had a, you know, a major war breakout and you know, automatically I kind of went into this mental loop, you know, and going, wow, you know, kind of like what, you know, what, what side would you want to be on and what good would you want to do in 1939? So if you're going to set that clock back and we looked at, you know, what Germany was doing in Poland and then Belgium and then the Netherlands and then, you know, the rest of Europe, you know, where, where would you want to tell your story from? You know, would you want to, would you want to tell it when it became history or would you want to go in there and try to kind of influence for good? And so I told my wife and my daughter to quite to their dismay, cause I'm, I'm getting a little older and I'm like, I'm, I'm going, you know, you understand I'm, I'm, I'm going. Uh, and they're like, yeah, we, we kind of figured that dad. Um, so about four days later, I scheduled, uh, a trip to go back to Romania. Uh, of course, Romania shares the largest land border with the Ukraine. Um, they share a lot of things, specifically in agriculture. And when you look at a war, you go from, um, you know, disaster phrase, what we call, you know, a food emergency. And that is if a, if a large city, let's say New York, when they had that hurricane about five years ago, you have about three days of available food that will remain you know, in the restaurants and on the shelves in the grocery store. And after three days, you're looking at a new distribution system that has to deal with the disruption of, you know, transit for that food. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've been very involved with that since about um, 2014. I actually teach with the Consortium of Humanitarian Service and Education, which is about 35 different universities that actually teach emergency management to undergrads, grads, and PhDs. So we have nurses, we have people that are want to go into federal service, um, you know, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's in emergency management, and then we teach domestic and international. And then so I did a lot of uh, going, going into hurricane zones, of course, in the southeastern United States um, and the southern United States, you're, you're looking at the majority of of storms, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, um, you know, obviously, you know, starting with Texas. So that also deals a lot with the food distribution system because you have to go through, you know, the moving of, of, of those, those products 
you know, as it comes to our state. I, for instance, like avocado. So we own a Mexican restaurant, and avocados are very much a staple, um, you know, in our restaurant. Well, when it's coming from Mexico, because we grow the Haas tomatoes uh, at, in, in Michoacan, uh, in Mexico, you know, they have to come all the way over the land of border. They have the border-related issues, which slows down distribution. If there's a storm, you're going through Texas, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, and then, you know, kind of uh, through Georgia and then up to North Carolina. Uh, and again, with the majority of storms that hit the United States coming from the southern eastern portion or the Gulf of Mexico, that area is always kind of, you know, the, the majority of where that water comes. So, you know, when you, when you watch right. it, when you watch a hurricane and, and you see the helicopters and the boats and they're saving people and they're saving their animals, you know, we, we looked at that and analyzed that. Well, you don't eat cats and dogs, you know, so you have to look at, you know, what, what is the impact on farming? What is the impact on, you know, our cattle and our feed source, our food source, but also our feed source. So when, when, when you're looking at how those storms saturate and how those storms move up, you're affecting, you know, the staple crops that are necessary for feed wheat, barley, rye, and alfalfa. Um, so got very involved in kind of developing an agricultural model. We do pretty good with human beings, but we really hadn't looked at um, you know, di disaster recovery and long-term recovery of our food supply, specifically as it re relates to, to the food source as well as the feed source. So, um, you know, responded to a lot of storms, um, kind of worked with the agricultural departments within the state. Um, and they're very interesting because it's a, there's kind of a, a close knit group. Um, but we were able to kind of push out some best practices and a kind of modified, you know, our response portfolio and then kind of moved into, you know, agricultural recovery. Um, and my international work had taken me to countries that were recovering from communism. Yeah, and what I mean by recovering from communism is when when the, the communist government runs, at, at, you know, your 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 food system, and they're also their federal approving agency. There's a lot of sins that are done to the land because um, they're the regulatory as well as the you know you got to you got to produce product. Um, so I, I I studied a lot of transition. And one of the places where I studied was Romania. So in 2007, 2008, I spent a lot of time in Romania because they did a pretty good job reprivatizing farming from a communist system. And then that took me into uh, Kurdish Iraq. That took me to Angola. That took me to uh, Iraq. That took me to United Arab Emirates. Um, I worked on a project um, to, br to bring in different types of equipment, non-military. Um, but, you know, into Afghanistan, then I worked in the United Arab Emirates, and then um, the United Arab Emirates does a lot of work in Africa, both in healthcare and agriculture. So I was looking at uh, American, um, Canadian and American technology and agriculture, and what type of technologies were coming in that were leapfrog, you know, so... Don't, don't go through the slow process, what we have on the shelf, but what's new, what's innovative, and how can we really impact what we're trying to impact with our agriculture. So you know, that was a long education that pretty much made me um, kind of a subject matter expert. And then here we go again. And now instead of a food disaster, we're in a food emergency. And a, a food emergency is, is a classification a UN classification, essentially you're having to import because of what's happening 
to that country or within that zone or region, and um, you're not able to to provide or grow, so they have to import. And unfortunately, those results um, under the UN classification of food emergency are three. Um, and the three are your your people will become refugees. So that's a refugee suggests over border. And typically when they go over border, they, they don't percentage wise, they don't go back, um, you know, for a period right. of time. You know, then you have internally displaced persons. So already in a food uh, insecure situation, something happens. This happened in Mosul in 2013 in Kurdistan. So when, when uh, Mosul started fighting with ISIS and ISIL, they displaced a lot of the Kurdish people inside Kurdistan. Um, so they're at camps, you know, refugee camps or internally displaced persons. Um, you know, and, and, and the results are, you know, again, your people will become refugees. They will revolt or they'll die. Um, and not only physical death, wow. which is absolutely horrible, but you're also absolutely. talking about the death of innovation and the death of ideas and the, the death of dreams, you know, and so that's right. particularly catastrophic. And, and so unfortunately, I readied myself to kind of understand and develop solutions, you know, for, for those that are, that are wanting uh, to, to call me to their country to help. Wow. <laughs> That is absolutely amazing. So how do you go from basically being kind of a solopreneur to being able to actually implement some of these strategies? And then how do you go from that being able to work with with locals in the area, with language barriers, everything else that, that's happening? And, and then obviously the chaos that's ensuing. Well, yeah, let's start with communication, um, you know, because as you know, um, um, I have uh, a lot of hearing issues that related from concussions from explosions when, when I was a soldier. Right. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> it, it's hard for me to grasp a foreign language when I could barely um, hear the language that, that, that I'm most prepared to speak. And, and let me also apologize because, you know, having spent you know, uh, you know, 10, 12 days in Romania where I, where, I, where I speak ready to translate English. So part my phraseology my, my, right now might be kind of like ready to be translated. Um, <laughs> so, so I apologize. And then there's, you know, there's learning, you know, their words and, uh, you know, sometimes for the first time, you know, so they have to right. say it many, many times, you know, so I, so I can say it correctly uh, so that they can understand what I'm saying. Um, of course, the Romanians, uh, you know, English is taught as a second language. They're kind of a little embarrassed, uh, you know, because of their accents. And I tell them, well, you know, not a lot of Americans have passports. So Americans love people with accents, you know, it kind of gives them right, yeah. exotic flavor. So I'm like, look, your, your English is a lot better than my Romanian um, and certainly better than my German. So sometimes we'll, you know, we'll switch to a little bit of phraseologies in German. Um, and then primarily, you know, with, 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 uh, with my English based on my handicap, we just kind of, we just kind of muddle way, our way through. But when you're talking, when you're talking to these folks, you know, one of the things that I share with these people, for instance, in Kurdistan, you know, my mother was concerned because I was going into a war zone, um, you know, again and again. And what I would tell my mom is, you know, we're, we're connecting as human beings. You know, I'm, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a friend, I'm a man of faith. Um, yeah, you know, and so these are, these are, these are easily 
understood when you're dealing, you know, when you're dealing with people that really actually are passionate about their people and, and passionate about how they live their lives, you know, and so, right. so almost right away, you know, the, the language barrier is not a barrier when, when you talk. Right. And you're, you're also there to, to help people out um, versus being like an adversary. So they've got to be kind of a little more open to somebody that's, that's caring for and, uh, and reach, reaching out to them. Yeah, I told my mother, my my, my mom, that she since uh, you know passed away. Um, but when I when I would talk to my mom, and I'd be, you know I'd be going back to let's say you know at the Kurdistan in New York, and my mom's like, oh, I'm so worried about you. I'm like, mom, I you know I got a vest that says don't shoot. I'm a farmer, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so I'm there. I'm there to help, you know, and you know based on my discipline from the military, and and as a humanitarian, and I haven't done humanitarian service. You know, I, I tend to to work and associate myself with foreign nationals. So instead of you know doing you know specifically USAID or packages that we put together, my job is early in to work with the foreign nationals to do needs assessment and gap analysis and and put together what what eventually will be solutions that we provide, which is you know kind of exactly what I just did in Romania. So having having a 30 some odd hour day yesterday how do you get 30 hours in a day well you, you fly you know into the uh, you know into the sun so i left bucharest yesterday at about five o'clock in the morning and i got home uh, to my house in north carolina at five o'clock in the evening but gained seven hours so right you know, so I, I had a 30 hour you know day yesterday before you know i finally went to bed to try to you know associate myself with u.s time and Wow, appreciate you taking the time out of just out of everything that to, to come on and, and talk with us. Yeah, for you, my brother, so, not a problem. <laughs> much appreciated. So, be, being in in this uh, this scenario here, what what were some of the the takeaways or, or uh, positive things you were seeing from from being over there and and the work you're you're doing? Well, a lot of a lot of the the gains have been very specifically to sharing, you know, and going, you know, what what do you need, what do you want, and what do you desire? And need is what what do you need right now? So, what, what problems are you facing, and what can I help you fix right now? Let let me help you fix the fixables. And need is you know two weeks, a month. Um, you know, uh, up to three months and looking back towards, you know, current time, that that's what you need. Uh, that's what you want. What, what, what do we need to develop in the future? And the long term is the desire. So what do you need in half a year, a year, two years? You know, what, what's your end state that will make us better and more resilient uh, in case something happens. So, you know, they were very willing to share that information. So, you know, I met with, um, you know, the, the, the Romanian Red Cross and I talked to them, you know, I dropped off a, a needs assessment, a gap analysis, different tools that my company uses to kind of, um, you know, not just talk about that, but actually, you know, uh, put it in, you know, put it into writing. So I, I left them with some homework. I met with the veterans groups in Romania, and that's actually brand new. And this Romanian group uh, for veterans, and they're just now, just now recognizing um, in Romania that uh, post-traumatic stress is 
is a need. It is a need that they need to fulfill and a need that they need to help you know their soldiers with. It's it, it's less than a year right. old that they're starting to focus on that. Um, you know that trauma. Um, so and when you say focus on that, what what sort of strategies or, or things are they they thinking of implementing or, or doing right now for it? Well, they're 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 asking questions about how to mature. You know their efforts, like they 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 have the heart and they have the mind and they have the desire, but they're looking for you know what they need and 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 they're 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 quite expressive. I mean they they let me know what those things are, and then we kind of seek to solve you know those issues that they raise. So one of the points the, right before I left, I had seen an article that had come out. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal that talked that a lot of American veterans. Uh, from the situation in Afghanistan, with our withdrawal from Afghanistan, we kind of felt like the the rug got pulled out underneath our feet. That that we had all tried to make a better Afghanistan, and then our withdrawal kind of left us short of of what what we were trying to accomplish. And really, Doctor, a lot of what we were willing to endure. So you're willing to endure that trauma and that stress because you're looking for a greater good. And then right. when, when that falls away, you really go back and you question those things, particularly, you know, in the dark hours of night. And that leads to, you know, uh, you know, associated behavior that's, that's not productive, whether it's, you know, alcoholism or detachment or that anxiety. So, you know, uh, in that article, they were saying that this current situation in the Ukraine have seen a lot of veterans that are going, look, we want to, we want to get back involved. So I, I took that article, you know, in my mind when I went back and I was dealing with the veterans group. And those are the ones that are doing the transportation. Those are the ones that are going, you know, to the border of the Ukraine and Romania, but looking back towards Romania. So how are they transporting those people? Where are they transporting those people? How are they running that kind of collection center? And then transition center, and then you're looking at the vulnerable population. You know, for instance, they might have diabetes, or they might have on-care medical concerns right. that they can't be moved. And so that's you know that was through the through the Red Cross that we're starting to help them as well to figure out how to fix that. Um, the government there, the state government, and the city government is running those transition centers, but Romania, they don't have a national guard system. And the United okay. States has a national guard system that is also focused on, yeah, you know, a wartime force multiplier when we go to conflict, but also that's the group that will actually respond to a state disaster. So we have a lot of practice and a lot of experience. Yes, it's military, but the military augments that response. You know, so you know, we've studied, you know, we study all the storms of Katrina and, and every subsequent storm. We read all the after action reviews to try to try to better our response. So Romania doesn't have, you know, kind of an integrated command system, what we call the ICS uh, command system, the instant command system. So how do these different groups play in that space? So if it's the Red Cross, if it's volunteers, if it's the military, in this case, they are using a certain portion of their military. That area is rugged, so they're going to need, you know, the transportation of food to that area. Now, you realize that this is, 
you know, uh, Ukraine, they need to put their crops in the ground right now, and that is not going to happen. Um, so right. there's a mad rush on sunflower oil, and there's a lot of feed crop there, uh, such as wheat, and that's out of the system. And by 2050, the projection is that we'll go, you know, to 10 billion people and we don't have the agricultural system as it is right now unless we start thinking of changing it to better prepare ourselves for the world population. And so, unfortunately, this provides us an opportunity to kind of imp improve our systems. So, you know, that, that is really what I'm focused on as well. So, yes, the humanitarian relief, but also the vision of shoring up and improving, you know, agriculture. Awesome, awesome work. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of what you're what you're talking about is uh, transitioning right now from this this horrible disaster zone and hopefully getting some some peace to to the people that you're you're transitioning with. And then on top, you're trying to prevent future uh, basically another disaster happening from lack of lack of food and agricultural support. Now, you do all this work, you're in the thick of it, and uh, and you're you're definitely <laughs> got little sleep and a whole lot of stress and you're probably replaying other episodes of of events that, that you've seen in your career when you do come home and start to get some rest. Um, how do you cope with, with all that, that stress that the system's been under and, or even when you're in these situations, cause I know you, you've had, uh, uh, just with your military experience and then with your entrepreneurship, uh, with, yeah, your restaurant flooding that, that one year and then with COVID as well. You've been through a lot of different high stress areas. So like, how are you able to uh, cope with the situation at the time? And then more importantly, when you get back and uh, especially as you mentioned, on top of things, uh, some of these situations, you, you come out with with a concussion and a mild traumatic brain injury from it as well. So just through your experience, how are you able to to do all this and and then also heal from it. That that is a wonderful question, you know. And so, you know, metaphorically, I feel like I'm going to lay on the couch and you know answer your question. Um, so yes, I understand high stress. Uh, I'm not a masochist, so you know, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't welcome it. Um, but I've been able to convert it to where I'm able to thrive in it and. So, you know, again, back to, you know, back to your discipline, you know, so yeah, we, 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 you know, we suffer and we go in these high stress situations, you know, there's, it, it brings things up, but my alternative and kind of my mindset is if, if I can react and my body remembers that stress and something triggers it and it takes over my, my mind, uh, you know, my, my thoughts, well, how about, how about post awesome reaction? So how about right. the situations where I've been, where my, my mind has been stimulated and, and doing really, really good things. So basically I, I turn the noise down on the trauma and I turn the noise up 
um, the sound up on, uh, I've lived a wonderful life and I've, uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of wonderful people. So I use that, 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 you know, kind of that third eye to focus on that and, and how it makes you feel when you do wonderful, rewarding work and you're working with passionate people that thrive in that space as well. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a mindset, you know, um, right. and the mindset is, you know, I understand that. I recognize it. I recognize that if I don't deal with it, it, it can overcome me. But I choose not to dwell on that. I choose to dwell on the wonderful memories that I have in my life from you know, the music that was playing or the laughter that we maybe shared, you know, in a time where you know, there's a lot of stress. A lot of times, you know, I'll turn around and I'll look at people. I did it a couple of times when I was in Romania. I'm like, hey, you know, I know it's bad. But we're doing good work, so we're having fun, right? You know, and they'll get, a, they'll get a smile on their face and go, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, you know, we're well purposed, and you know, let's keep it positive, and and let's impact it, and you know, let's not, you know, let's let's shut the doors down to the demons." Makes a lot of sense. Now, part of that too, like, is is taking action and actually doing something. Correct. That. Uh, just the the mindset alone isn't isn't enough to to get you past it. Uh, from what I'm gathering, is you you turn that into something actionable that that you're actually doing something, or you're physically moving, or laughing, or or using the the body as well to kind of keep the mind in check. Is is that correct? Yeah, I think that's a I think that's well stated, and it goes back to like working with this veterans group, you know, um, that I met with. And Bucharest, but they they deal with all the veterans, um, you know, in Romania. And again, it's a rather new program. But going back from that article that I had read, that you know, service members want to they want to be reengaged. I mean, we we we've had a, we've lived a life of service, and when that service is over, then we're just kind of left with our memories. But if we take those memories and we go back, you know, and work with those people, we have we have mission and purpose, you know. Right. My wife laughs at me because like every night, you know, we'll sit down by the fireplace and we'll talk about, you know, the next day and, and I go into a military kind of loop and I'm like, okay, what, what's my mission tomorrow? You know, what, what, what do I need to do? And whether it's, you know, doing the yard or washing my dog or we're doing something at the restaurant, you know, just planning is a discipline and just planning and go, okay, well, you know, I timeline it out. I reverse plan. I figure out what my kit has to be. I get my kit ready. You know, I just put my mind in that discipline, you know, and then the next morning we'll wake up and, um, and I'll go over what I'm going to do that day. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm excited. And I've got this and this and this and this, and here's how I'm going to do it. And she's like, yeah, yeah. We talked about it last night. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then she comes home and I kind of bump rush her. I'm like, well, here's how my day went. And, you know, and I did this and this and it, it was great. And here's tomorrow. You know, I start, I start that planning loop over. And so imagine what I'm suggesting to these veterans is let's get you back with your sisters and your brothers where you had a lot of great camaraderie and let's put you back to that discipline and let's work and plan and 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 use those skills that that you've been taught and let's use those skills to do good and let's use those skills to do good so there's positive memories that come from what you're creating right wow do do you feel like a lot of veterans then coming back lose some of that that discipline or the 
the lessons that, that they've been taught in, in the service then? Is, is that one of the, the areas you're seeing kind of lacking now in, in the care post, post, post service? Um, well, I mean, it, you know, it, it certainly goes back, you know, to, to the Bible as well. You know, we talk about Isaiah, you know, and he asked, you know, the Lord, like, who, who shall, who shall, who shall you send? And, and, and he says, send me, you know, so, so we have that willingness, you know, to serve. And so it's just acknowledging that and going, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm able, I'm willing, I'm capable and, you know, it's faith and send me. Right. Oh. Now you're still doing a lot of things outside uh, your service too. Um, you were telling me that uh, when you were in Romania, you were able to to get out and, and coach some rugby, and you're you're still doing that at uh, University of South Carolina, correct? Yeah, I'm coaching for uh, the men's rugby for the University of South Carolina, and um, so I took you know I took some some kit you know just in case I would I would find you know, a, a rugby uh, you know a, a rugby group to work with. Uh, so one of the, I think she's a captain in the um, emergency response fire rescue for the municipality, and she has uh, two twin sons uh, that are probably maybe fourteen or fifteen, and then she has a daughter, and uh, I think her daughter's like uh, around ten, and so this is the youth rugby program, and Christian, uh, which is in Brashov, it's a it's a city. And that's their, that's their youth team. And so they invited me to come out and to uh, help coach. So in addition to, to, you know, doing the work that I'm doing and, um, you know, I'm kind of struggling through and because uh, it is a lot of pressure and it's pressure in I've got this group, but I need to understand that. And I can field it with these folks, but they're asking me for information and I'm developing the information. So I'm, I'm working on that almost kind of like climbing a mountain and I'm, you know, I'm not at, I'm not, I'm not summon, uh, summoning yet, but I'm, but I'm working towards that goal. And yeah, it's a long journey, but um, I appreciate that journey and being able to go you know, back to the pitch and, and to work with the with right. these youth in such an incredible sport, you know, and, and to to be able to just kind of, you know, kind of turn the machine off and turn all of the mental, you know, uh, the applications like a computer that are going on your mind and going, I'm just going to shut this down for a couple of hours and I'm just going to go coach a beautiful sport. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For those that, that don't know and that, that are listening in, uh, this is how I first uh, met Anthony was was through rugby. Uh when I was in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and, and had the, the privilege of meeting meeting T here, and uh, they, I think that's that's such a, a great example too of basically the the power of sport. And uh, I think, uh, as you were mentioning, with the camaraderie too of of people who have, have have been in service before and maybe lose that afterwards is, and then of course being able to do something actionable is well and physical is just how powerful sport can be to, to help kind of with the healing process and, and get people, people back into life and, and enjoying things. And, uh, yeah, when I, when I saw the pictures of you in Romania coaching, I was just like, wow, <laughs> I, I can totally see, 
see Anthony doing that. I'm like, he's he's out there probably working a you know, insanely long day, and then he's still finding some time to to get out to the rugby pitch and and just once again return to to the sport that that gives us all this enjoyment and life and and fulfillment as well outside of everything uh, impactful that that you're doing there. So, uh, yeah, just uh, what are your future plans then? Because obviously uh, this uh, disaster is not going away anytime soon and uh, and you're back and you've got multiple business things going on as well. So uh, what's what's kind of the plan? Uh, and uh, I know you kind of chunk it, take it day by day, but uh, but I'm sure you've you've got a longer term one as well. Well, you know, as soon as um, you know, I traveled home and, and you know got back to where you know I, I wasn't you know in an airplane, couldn't have my phone on. You know, work started again. Um, you know, uh, to figure out you know what what the next steps are and and formalize those steps. Um, and you know, before talking to you today, you know, I woke up and I'm already starting you know to to work on on that issue. So whether I'm calling. Uh, a guy that I've worked with in, in, in Iraq and, and for Afghanistan, we've been together for you know 20 some odd years. And then uh, with my Romanian groups, I've already had phone calls this morning with Romania, and you know, uh, you know, I just left them you know, now you know, 38 hours ago. But we're already talking about you know the next steps and and what uh, the documents that I need that I left with them specifically a needs assessment, you know, and that's part of gap analysis. That's part of SWOT, you know, so when you look at strength, weakness, opportunities, and, and threats, you know, what, what I focus on is weaknesses converted back to strengths and threats um, um, worked to go back to opportunity. Um, so I, I analyze, you know, all of their information that they're sending back to me. So my call to Romania this morning was to make sure that all of the groups that I met with, I met with probably five different entities that I'm going to go back in May and start doing more programs for to help them in their disaster response. Because again, Romania, you know, doesn't, didn't really have a, um, you know, an emergency response plan. They, they don't have a lot of disasters. They don't have hurricanes. They don't have tornadoes. But now they have a disaster, which is man-made. So disasters come in one or two flavors. They're either natural or they're man-made. You know, this clearly is a, is a man-made issue, war and, and refugeeism. So essentially the modeling is, is not that different. It's the same organization and structure and who provides those. So we're analyzing all that information. We're going back to our providers of goods and services that are going to come back with me. So my job was to go and kind of do the hard rock mining to make sure that, yes, Romania has changed uh, in the sense that it's easier to contract. We know who we're dealing with. And again, there's a lot of humanitarian effort in, in the Americas, both Canada and the United States, that want to get involved. But they want to know, you know, my money or, or my passion is um, is going to be, one, appreciated, and two, come to fruition. So, you know, it actually is going to happen. So my job is right. to assure them that, yes, I, I'm touching these people, and I know exactly what that byproduct um, and that, that future scope is going to look like and shaping that future scope. So 
um, so that they're comfortable with giving their treasures, treasure of time, treasure of money, treasure of passion. Um, so, you know, putting real faces and real impact on who I'm talking to with you know, those gifts of, of time, money, or passion um, to make sure that, uh, well, you know, example, as you saw right after um, like the first couple days uh, through Airbnb, there was kind of a, uh, you know, uh, uh, people going, yeah, rent donation, yeah, yeah, rent, rent, you yeah. know, spaces in, in in the Ukraine, but you really don't, you're really not going to do that, but you're just kind of front loading money. Well, then of course there's the opportunists that come into that issue, and the same yeah, things, right. same things happen in the refugee situation because you're talking about ninety percent of these is a vulnerable population. This is women and children. And the trafficking in that area is very, very high. So that's always a big concern. So we're starting to see people that are, you know, charging money for transportation when it's provided um, by municipalities. So we want to go, no, come to the legitimate transportation site where there's a legitimate path for, you know, your migration, you know, over the border through a transition center into Europe, if that's the way you go, or within Romania, if that's what's going, what you want to do, particularly those that are, you know, that are medically, uh, they have medical conditions. So that's always a concern. Then you got to look at, you know, the orphans as well. So, so, so is your solution also address, you know, you know, the orphan issue? Does it also address human trafficking? We talk about human trafficking, you know, probably the first subcategory that people always think about is sex trafficking, and and I understand that. Um, but right. in trafficking, it's also service. So you know, people are coming in; they're getting low wages to do house cleaning and work in the restaurant industry. Um, you know, uh, agriculture, uh, but again, not not for for good pay and not good conditions. At, and then there's also, you know, the sex trafficking component of that. So part of our model and part of our solution um, takes that as an intended outcome that we're going to improve that situation. Right. Yeah. And this is all extremely large scale. Like uh, from what I heard, it, we're talking about basically over 3 million refugees pouring out right now am am i correct on those numbers and uh and that this is one of the the largest sent basically uh forced migration of people in a long long period yeah so yeah 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 um you know uh equally on par but quicker in time than the second world war you know, because this happened, you know, almost right away. So I, I think yeah. your I think your three million number is accurate. Uh, I think um, you know I I, I I I see different numbers bounced around, but we're over the millions. You know, over one million in Poland. Um, you know, we're getting close to probably we're over a quarter of a million in Romania. Uh, a big concern of ours is Moldova. Um, so if that situation moves towards Odessa and there's any aggression towards Moldova, they, they only have one direction to go um, because, you know, the Ukraine is north and east is Odessa and you know, the Black Sea. So they're going to have to come into Romania. So, you know, we, we need to start planning for the future now. And, and, and we are. Right. Wow. Is there any other... Uh, I- takeaways you'd like to provide people right now with 
with uh, the work you've been doing and future work and ways that they can get involved then? Um, you know, there, there's, yeah, there's NGOs, non-government organizations, um, you know, there's faith-based organizations, um, you know, such as the Red Cross or Florence Nightingale. Um, there's um, a lot of companies that are looking to go, hey, we're going to pull our resources and our gift, but we're looking for a recipient of that. Um, you know, I think they need to qualify that to make sure that there's not a lot of administrative fees that are associated to that. And the vast majority of those monies go directly towards the relief effort. And, and I hope that the, through the efforts that I'm doing and that I'm maturing to develop that, that we'll have, you know, kind of, um, you know, kind of that, that, that vision to where, you know, people go, yes, we, we, we want you guys to do what you're doing, but we want you to do more and faster and help more people. So hopefully, you know, we'll light those uh, organizations up. So, you know, get the time, you know, get the money, um, passion can be focused there. So a lot of what we're doing now, we realize that we're kind of creating a model and that model can be replicated uh, to other regions of Romania, but also can be shared by best practice, you know, um, to Hungary, Slovakia, Poland, or to extrapolate from them some of the best practices that they've come up with dealing with the situation so that we can collectively take all of those gains and those knowledge learned and, and, and move it to another location. You know, I'm, I'm famously quoted for saying, you know, it's easier to save a village than it is a country. And I've tried both. Um, and so, so let's start with a village and then let's go to the next village with an improved model. And then the next village and the next village to where, you know, we're replicating a model that's, that, that's, that's doable and we can MV it. We can measure and validate it to a level of certainty that where people want to, want to put their time, attention, you know, treasure, time and money, um, towards that. So yeah, that, that's a, that's definitely, a. That, that's definitely a goal, and that's a goal that we always think about, and that's a, always a goal that we're going to strive um, towards. Right. Well, thank you very much for, for uh, updating us, filling us in, basically, right what's happening on the scenes and the work you're doing. And uh, from everyone that, that I'm aware out there, thanks, thanks for the service that you, that you're doing and, and the help and the, and the people that whose lives you're impacting is, is just, just heartwarming and motivating to, and to anyone who's, who's listening in on this. Um, so once again, thank you very much. And from the hearty brain, we once again are interviewing, uh, people out there who are, absolutely go-getters and performing at another level. And from that, once again, thank you, and we'll see you later. Mm -hmm.